Everybody and welcome to a very special episode of Retro Hour. Um, that was Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks, released in 1967 and written by their frontman Ray Davies. It was a significant place to him, Waterloo, as when he was 13 and he was ill at St Thomas's Hospital, he used to be wheeled out um, and look at the river and observe the Waterloo Sunset, which I think is very sweet. Um, but I think that quite nicely introduces us to this week's theme of Waterloo, London more broadly. Um, so we're going to be talking about London in the 60s and the 70s today. And I have a very special guest, the host of London Calling, which is why I had to get her on this episode. Izzy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello! <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, this is Izzy. She hosts another show on KCL Radio, and I was a guest on her show last year, which kind of inspired me to start this show. So really, without you here, we wouldn't be here at all. That's crazy. I I mean, I, di- I didn't mean to sort of drag everyone in. And now you've done it. You've done it. You've dragged Carmen and Ollie in. I know, carrying on the tradition. tradition. It's a domino effect. <laughs> yes. Um, and kind of relating back to the song, I'm sure you're very familiar with Waterloo Sunsets because I know oh, yes. you lived Great Dover Street first yes, year. Oh, iconic. Uh-huh. But there's that lovely walk over the bridge. It is honestly my favourite thing to do in the evening because I still live Waterloo area and it's so lovely especially when it's dark and you see all the lights. Oh, so pretty. I never get bored of that view. Yeah, definitely. I think I've bumped into you walking across that bridge. We have, we have. I think we were both a bit tipsy. Yeah, I think That's a surprise. (laughs) Me heading north and you heading south. South, Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to play another London theme song for you. This is Sunny South Kensington by Donovan. Thank you. 
Come take a walk in sunny South Kensington any day of the week. See the girl with the silk Chinese blouse on, you know she ain't no freak. The Cumberland soon down, Cromwell Road, man, you got to spread your wings. I flip out, skip out, trip out, and to make your stand, folks, to dig me as I sing. Jean-Paul Belmondo and Mary Quant got stoned to say the least. Ginsburg, he ended up a drying, so he I took a trip out east. If I'm late waiting down the gate, did such a rouse scene, I grew the place to live. In a portabelly, I met a fellow with a cane umbrella, who must have used a sieve. So come loon soon down, Cromwell Road, man, you got to spread your wings. Flip out, skip out, trip out, and to make your stand, folks, to dig me as I sing. So we're going to start our London musical journey in the 60s, as we always do every week, um, because that's what this show is about. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I mean, we've kind of talked about this and the fact that London was the epicentre of everything really at the time you've got art you've got music you've got fashion which I know is your speciality yes yes London really was like the place to be in the 1960s like New York Paris and uh, London Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a big part of that was because of the baby boom in the 50s caused there to be a very large population of youth which obviously sparked youth movements cultural revolution Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to talk about some of the key places because we've talked Waterloo and the last song was kind of a bit of a hint as to where we're gonna talk about because you've got King's Road yeah so we're heading west a bit so the King's Road was obviously like if London was the epicenter of cool the King's Road was the epicenter of London yeah you had all the cool boutiques Mm -hmm. like all these sort of cool arty musicians fashion designers Mm -hmm. models Mm -hmm. like all living around the area it really was like the place to be and be seen yes well i know that led zeppelin's headquarters was on king's road did you i didn't know that i didn't know that but that makes sense Uh and i don't know if you've been down king's road recently but they have uh like mural like i think it's near the fire station Mm -hmm. and it's a sort of homage to like it's sort of 60s past so there are like various kind of figures 
Yes, it looks a bit like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club album, just because there are all these like random people. Yeah, I think maybe I have to take a trip and yeah. see it. Yeah, and it's like a sort of nod to the King's Roads. Yeah. Like, glorious Path. Glorious Path, and then obviously Carnaby Street, yes. which is still not quite what it was at the time no. but a very spectacular there's lights up and down exactly it's still a cool place to go there are some cool shots but probably not quite as cool as it was in the <laughs> 60s not quite not Pret-a-Morsha quite Pret-a-Morsha doesn't quite have the same charm no um so the song I'm going to play next is kind of a bit of an anthem of this era Ooh. because a big part of, I mean, we're coming out of the 50s, so there's the mods versus the rockers movement. Yes. And the mods were particularly kind of, I guess, not. I don't want to say winning because I know that's controversial, <laughs> but they were, it was a p- particularly popular form of like fashion culture in the 60s. And then it kind of progressed into this more psychedelic version of it. Um, but the song I'm going to play is an anthem of, all the mods, um, obviously the who. Oh. Who else could it be? Yeah, it um, had to be. <laughs> yes, and this is The Kids Are Alright. I don't mind the guys dancing with my girl. That's fine. I know I'm all pretty well. But I know sometimes I must get I talked a little bit earlier about kind of the fashion that was going on in the 60s in Swinging London and I wanted to talk a little bit more about this with Izzy because I know she's a big (laughs) big lots of knowledge on fashion to say say it that way Um, so I wanted to talk first a little bit about some of the shops so we've got Granny Takes a Trip yes um, which was the first psychedelic boutique, which was opened in 1966 by, I can't remember the name of a couple, but it was a couple that opened Yes, there. I can't remember <laughs> for the life of me either. But I feel like you can't talk about the 60s without talking about the fashion. Yeah. Like, it's mutually exclusive. Uh-huh. Um, I was talking to you about this the other day, actually, because there was an exhibition at the Fashion and Textiles Museum, I think, yes. sometime last year, all about kind of, they had displays of like Apple clothing, as in like, 
the Beatles company, not Apple. Not the Apple, uh, the original yeah, Apple. Yeah, Granny Takes a Trip. They had this gorgeous, um, like, Sergeant Pepper-style oh jacket that Mick Jagger wore at one point on display, and it was gorgeous. I, I think you should have... Maybe I should have given you the tip, and you should Yeah, I should have right gone, I feel like I missed out here. Yeah, sorry. But we've talked a little bit about the brands, but I want to talk a bit more about the models. Yes, the girls wearing the brands. Yes, the girls wearing the brands. So... We've got Twiggy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Twiggy was like the first kind of big model. Mm -hmm. She was not like how models were in the 50s because she was like skinny. She had cropped hair Mm -hmm. and like this sort of doe-eyed look. And obviously that then led to that kind of 60s kind of lots of mascara on the bottom lashes, like big eyes. The double liner. Yeah, Uh looking quite sort of childlike almost, which was kind of such a contrast to how models had looked before it kind of ushered in a new era and then you had other models like, like Jean Shrimpton yes. who many would say was the first like supermodel her and David Bailey obviously went to New York in the early 60s mm-hmm. and some people would say that they started the kind of 60s youth quake because that photography shoot they did in New York was like nothing that had ever gone before it was a lot more like photography nowadays mm-hmm. it was like quite casual quite intimate it wasn't these like stuffy formal portraits with like nice backdrops there was a sort of rawness to it yes for the audience members who don't know what youthquake is would you like to explain oh gosh i feel like so uh, you might have to correct me here Mm because i might be a bit wrong i think the 60s youthquake is like the kind of birth of youth culture the idea that there was a kind of gap in between being a child and being like a fully grown adult yeah so these youths were as Sadie said earlier the kind of products of the baby boom Mm -hmm. they had money to spend they had very different ideas about the world compared to their parents yes um they were a lot more kind of liberal willing to try new things yeah I think um I've actually got the wikipedia page Ah. um but it they it talks about the the youth being bored of like couture houses and conservative designs so they look to boutiques that kind of more original more oh my phone's just gone off that's a bit embarrassing um <laughs> izzy just gave a look down there at the desk in front of me um but it, it was kind of also the start of more like ready to wear mass-produced clothing as well um so with these models you can kind of see how them being so popular the clothes they wore then young people were able to take inspiration from that and literally wear some of the items that... They were more accessible than, like, a 50s haute couture Dior dress. Like, you could copy a Mary Quant dress from a pattern. You could even save up and buy a Mary Quant dress. It was a lot more accessible. Definitely. Right, so... um, we had to play this song because we're talking about fashion. (laughs) Izzy knows what I'm about to play. This is Dedicated Follower of Fashion by The Kinks. They seek him here, they seek him there, his clothes are loud, but never square, it will make or break him, so he's got to buy the best, cause he's a dedicated follower of fashion, and when he does, his little rounds, round the boutiques, of London town Eagerly pursuing all the latest fads and trends Cause he's a dedicated follower of fashion Oh yes he is Oh yes he is Oh yes he is Oh yes he is He thinks he is a flower to be looked at And when he pulls his frilly nylon One week he's in polka dots and next week he's in stripes But he's a dedicated follower of fashion They seek him here, they seek him there In Regent Street and 
Leicester Square Everywhere the Carnivation Army marches on Each one am dedicated follower of fashion This pleasure-seeking individual always looks his best Cause he's a dedicated follower of fashion Oh yes he is, oh yes he is, oh yes he is, oh yes he is He flits from shop to shop just like a butterfly In matters of the cloth he is as thick as can be Cause he's a dedicated follower of fashion He's a dedicated follower of fashion He's a dedicated follower of fashion So we're going to talk a little bit more about fashion um, <laughs> Specifically Mary Quant Because I know you're yes. a big Mary Quant fan Yes um, so Mary Quant was like the designer of the 60s. I think if there's one fashion designer for me, and I think probably for quite a lot of people that sort of typified the 60s, it would be Mary Quant. Mm-hmm. She was the woman who invented the miniskirt, yes. which is obviously tied so much to the idea of like liberation in the 60s. Like this is the first time women had worn like properly short skirts. Yeah. And they just got shorter as the 60s mm-hmm. went on. And, yeah, I just think it's such an iconic, like, silhouette. I love a mini skirt. I know you do. <laughs> As, you know, the shorter the better. And every time I wear one, I think of Mary Quant. Um, there is a really good Mary Quant documentary. I'm not sure if you saw it. I haven't, no. Um, it's, I think it's on Amazon Prime now, directed by Sadie Frost, Jude Law's ex-wife. <laughs> and the person I was named after. Yes, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes! So she did a documentary on Mary Quant and all about her sort of rise to stardom and... I just think, yeah, Mary Quan is a icon of the 60s. Mm-hmm. She changed fashion because if you look at the fashion that came before, it was all very stuffy. There were like petticoats. It was all very, like it wouldn't upset your granny. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mary Quan came along and she's like, right, we're going to have really simple like silhouettes in like bright colours and they're going to be short. And a lot of her designs, if you couldn't afford Mary Quan, were quite easy to copy. Like... Mm-hmm. You could quite easily make a Mary Quant style mini Yeah, skirt. yeah. I mean, you said earlier about the prints that you could um, copy off and make your own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's also, she's still really, I mean, not her, obviously, <laughs> but um, the brand still releases makeup nowadays. Yes. Yeah. And I think it has a presence in Japan. Like, there are still Mary Quant stores in Japan. Oh, that's very interesting. Which, I cry, know. why can't they be in London? <laughs> I know, maybe we should start a campaign Petition, to yeah. you know, get some Mary Quant um, in London. So we've talked a bit about David Bailey and Jean Shrimpton already. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to test your knowledge. Oh gosh. And see how many people you can name that were in his box of pinups photograph collection. Oh that, my that he photographed. Gosh. I, we we did see some on the Wikipedia page that we looked through the other day. Okay, so, so obviously Jean Shrimpton. Yes. I'm gonna say Mick Jagger. Yes. Paul McCartney. Yes. Or just the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So Paul and John. Yeah. Mick. Twiggy. Twiggy. Um. Oh golly. Um, Any actors you can think of from the sixties? Yeah. Oh gosh. This is, no. I'm like having a mental block because I'm on the spot and panicking. You're going to have to fill me in. So I'll, I'll read out the little yeah, thing please. I've photo- photocopied, um, copied and pasted. So his subjects included actors Michael Caine, oh Terence Stamp, yeah. musicians John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger and five other pop stars. Brian Epstein as one of four individuals representing music management. Hairdresser Vidal Sassoon. Oh gosh, of course. Ballet dancer Rudolf, I'm going to butcher this surname, Nureyev. I'm not even going to try. Ad-lib club manager Brian Morris, um, the Cray Twins, and 
leading figures in interior decoration, pop art, photography, fashion modeling, photographic design, and creative advertising. So really... He was a busy man. He was a busy man. Um, but this is also my way, because we've mentioned the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger, and I wanted to do a little segue into the Rolling Stones, because uh-huh. um, we're going to play one of their songs next, um, which was from their 1967 album, Flowers. The song's called Let's Spend the Night Together. Um, and the Stones were obviously... They had their roots in London, because while um, Mick Jagger... Uh, was from Kent. Uh, he, he went to LSE down the road. To, he did go to LSE. The first band the Stones played as the Rolling Stones was the Marquee Club, which was on Wardour Street in Soho. No way. Yeah. Oh it, it was God. a very big club that a lot of the artists from the 60s kind of played at before they became wow. the big icons they were or are nowadays. <laughs> so I'm going to play the song now. So this is Let's Spend the Night Together by the Rolling Stones. fact about that song is that they were set to play it on the Ed Sullivan show um, but he told them that they had to change the lyrics to let's spend some time together (laughs) because obviously it's kind of a bit taboo still I mean we'll talk a little bit why maybe it wasn't as taboo as it had been in the 50s yeah Um, but the whole idea of like sex and talking about it in a public area a scandal um, and they did obey 
Ed Sullivan's request. Wow, the, 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 probably the I only know. time the Rolling Stones <laughs> have ever done that. But Mick Jagger made sure to roll his eyes at the camera every single time he had to say, <laughs> let's spend some time together, which I think is very funny. Um, but it's not quite... Um, Jim Morrison just completely disobeying everything that was asked of him on any show that he was asked to perform on and therefore never being asked again. Um, I but, wonder why. But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about the sexual revolution, sexual things. Social history. So, social history. This is like your on. area of expertise, social well, history. Well, not quite, but... Yeah. You're better at it than I am. <laughs> okay, so we've... In the 60s, the reason it was called the swinging 60s is because kind of it was characterised... The Wikipedia said... It was characterized by hedonism. <laughs> um, so that's largely due to the development of the birth control pill yeah. in the 1960s, which allowed women to have a lot more agency and control over their own bodies. Finally! Which subsequently led to kind of political liberty and agency as well. Um, and generally talking about political activism, there was a lot going on in the 60s. Um, we have the rise of, well, kind of the rise of the campaign for nuclear disarmament, um, characterised by the Aldermaston marches, which took place in the 50s and the 60s, which were marches from Aldermaston in Berkshire to London. Um, and then also the Grosvenor Square protest in 1968, which was to demonstrate against America's action and Britain's support for the war in Vietnam. Um, and that protest actually ended up with clashes with the police outside of the American embassy. Um, so you can kind of see through this picture we're painting of the various protests that took place in London, how it was a site of political turmoil yes. and also political change and genesis and lots of exciting things happen because when you get a lot of young people in an area and they realise that the governments and the institutions are corrupt, then they're like, no, we want to change this. Stand up for something. Yeah. Yes, but... Um, as we'll kind of see with the rise of the punk movement later, maybe the promises that the swinging 60s made to the youth were not necessarily the ones that ended up coming to fruition, materializing, um, which led to maybe a lot of anger. (laughs) (laughs) Understatement. You know, the rise of punk, anger, (laughs) yep. Um, So the song I'm gonna play next is by another band that was very big in the 60s in the swinging London movement, small faces. Um, so this is Ichiku Park. <laughs> Over bridge of sights to rest my eyes in shades of green under dreaming spots to Ichiku Park that's where I what did you do there? I got high. What did you feel there?
So I realise we've actually kind of gone a little bit away from talking about music. So I wanted to get back onto kind of the core. <laughs> Izzy's showing me the Polaroid we just took. <laughs> She's very excited. Um, we kind of wanted to get back onto the core of what this show's about, talk about some music. Yay! So who are your favourite bands that were based in London in the 60s okay, and the 70s? So you are going to kill me for this because we have this debate more often than we should. Uh-huh. But in the Beatles versus Rolling Stones, I do prefer the Rolling Stones. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, I've recently, though, discovered quite a lot of, like, 60s artists that I've been really enjoying. So... I obviously, on the other side of the pond, quite like Motown, but obviously in terms of London-based bands, I love like The Kings, mm-hmm. um, The Small Faces, who you just played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were so many great artists around in the 60s. It's hard to kind of pick. There was. And I mean, in the 60s, you can kind of see the roots from like the blues and you kind of get the Rolling Stones and the yeah. Beatles from that. But then you get this fusion that comes when psychedelic rock Yay. starts coming in. So Pink Floyd were massive in London and the UK generally. And Jimi Hendrix. Yes, you had American artists yes. taking up residency in London. Exactly. So obviously we know the like British invasion into the States, but then kind of it came back a little bit. With Jimi <laughs> they Hendrix. reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and he actually spent the last five years of his life in London um, and he was brought along to the UK by Chaz Chandler of the Animals who was really impressed with Hey Joe um, and he formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience in London um, which I'm a massive fan of and apparently all the budgies in London is it budgies? oh yeah uh, because of Jimi because Hendrix. of Jimi Hendrix yeah I'm not sure how much of that is like urban myth urban and myth. wishful thinking <laughs> um, but yeah all the budgies were something to do with Jimi Hendrix releasing I like to think so yeah uh-huh. his legacy um, and you can see the influence that London had on his style as well because he went to Portobello Road a lot yay um, another of our favourites yes <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, unfortunately, he passed away in London as well. But we're going to play a Jimi Hendrix song next. Um, I played one last week and I didn't want to play Hey Joe again. So this is Purple Haze from... Yes, this is my favourite. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I'm glad I've made you happy then.
So, we've not talked much about punk yet. No. But I wanted to, even though we've only got, what, um, 20 minutes left. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But um, as we kind of reach the end of the 60s, get to the start of the 70s, a lot of youth were feeling tired of the flamboyancy of rock bands, such as Queen, of Led Zeppelin, who put on these, like, very performance-heavy... Slightly camp. Very, yeah. <laughs> like, lights... Outfits. Everything but the kitchen sink was thrown at their performances it, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and that kind of coupled with the economic recession, post-war sentiments and the rise of Thatcherism, the youth were pretty dissatisfied with kind of the state. I wonder why! <laughs> yeah, because especially in the 60s, I feel like they were promised this kind of utopian change. Like, we're protesting and we're going to stop these things and we're going to have this lovely future where we, like, sit in a park. Shiny and, new future. Yeah. Um, and these, like, protest movements we were talking about before, like, women's liberation. And then kind of it all came crashing down of, like, oh, it no. It went horribly <laughs> off-piece. Yes. Um, we don't have much money. <laughs> and you see it with clothing as well in the change from, like, these bright colours to more, like, muted browns yes. and oranges. Um, Even the, like, housing decor, you see a lot more of a change towards that kind of thing. And yeah. Then, brown is not a good idea if you're having constant power cuts. No, it's not. I'd never thought of it but that way. No. Yeah. I mean, at least you wouldn't have been able to see it. Yes, that's true. But kind of relating to the fashion. Yes. Um, a big designer that kind of pioneered punk fashion was your beloved Vivian Westwood. Yes, who, fun fact, designed King's College's graduation She robes. did, she did. So if you're graduating, you've got Viv to thank for that. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, robes are nice though. Uh-huh. I've seen some of the other London unis, our ones. Okay. I'll look forward to that next year. Yeah. Izzy's a master's student, so she's already had experience with wearing the graduation robes once. So nice, I wanted to do it twice. I love <laughs> those robes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Vivian Westwood's shop was actually on King's Road. Yes. Um, um, which I found quite interesting because it was a big epicenter in the 60s, but that seems to have carried over yeah. into the 70s and punk. Um, and alongside that, music-wise, you have the rise of bands such as The Clash, who are yes. very, very London. Um, obviously, and I and, name my show after yes, them. Yes, and that's quite funny, actually, because we are actually playing London Calling, Calling next. Yes, um, in Bush House. Yes. Even better. Exactly. And The Sex Pistols. Yes. Um, who are very... They were obviously very tied up with Vivian Westwood. Yes. And they're the subject of the Danny Boyle TV series, mm-hmm. Pistol. Mm-hmm. If you've got Disney Plus, yeah. I've been telling you. Yes. Watch I, it. I need to. I will. I feel like I've gotten so many recommendations off you. You're going to have to come back to me in like two months when I've actually I'll managed to. Send you like a tick list. Yes. To please, your way through. Please do. So I'm going to play London Calling for us next. And we'll, we'll chat a little bit more about the Sex Pistols afterwards and kind of wrap things up because I don't want to overrun into John's slot too much. Um, but yeah, this is London Calling by The Clash. London is drowning and I I live by the river 
And you know what they said Some of it was true Young Macaulay at the top of the dial And after all this Won't you give me a smile So Izzy, would you like to tell me a little bit more about the Sex Pistols and Vivian Westwood? So obviously the Sex Pistols were kind of like the project of her other half, Malcolm McLaren, Mm -hmm. and Vivian ended up dressing them, and the outfits are iconic like people still like reference them today there were like bondage themed trousers latex there was safety pins t-shirts that are like ripped and slashed and like the queen's face on them Mm -hmm. it was like a punk is she is the queen of punk she started Mm -hmm. it all we still reference her today um i mean i think it's it's really interesting because punk was very much about that shock factor yes and not only was that in the music and the lyrics because it was very different to what people were used to hearing at the time oh like god screamy kind of very heavy on like the explicit protest yes. parts of it and then also they had this fashion where they've got the queen's face on it and it's like oh my god yeah that's like slapped yeah across it yeah uh-huh do you want to hear my favorite story about the sex yes yes so this is Imagine, it's 1977, the Sex Pistols are recording their album, Never Mind the Bollocks, and they're in the same studio as another very popular band at the time, Queen. Oh my gosh, two very different ends of the spectrum. And Queen are recording their album, News of the World, and Sid Vicious wanders into the studio. Oh god. (laughs) Um, And Freddie Mercury is there, and he makes some sort of comment about him bringing ballet to the masses I think is the exact quote oh, and Freddie Mercury turns around and calls him Simon Ferocious <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant that's the most Freddie thing to say I know I think it's brilliant the sass yeah so there was kind of this animosity I think it to be a fly on a wall in oh those studios God, where there's Freddie Mercury Roger Taylor Brian May and um, John Deacon in one room and then the Sex Pistols like screaming in Sid Vicious, you know, being Sid Vicious as he is. Oh, um, dear I think God. there was a little bit of tension. Creative tension. Creative tension. Oh um, my gosh, what a story! Yeah, and I think that's a good story to end on because we're running it about out of time today. Yeah, it's four o'clock. As he's just pointed to the time. Oh no. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. been wonderful. Yeah, it's thank been you. fun exploring London and music and fashion with you. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much for uh-huh. having me on. And make sure to go listen to Izzy's show, London Calling. Where, what day, what time? Thursday from 11 till 12. There you go then. Everyone better go listen to Izzy's show. Thank you. Um, so we're going to f- play the final song today. Um, the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK, Yay. of course. <laughs> so ha- everybody have a good week and I will come back to you with an episode next week on who knows what I will decide <laughs> at some point in the next seven days. Yay! Right.
only way to burn.